Welcome to the Porsche Club Insider, your one stop for all things Porsche and PCA. Here's your host, Vu Gwyn, and the Insider Crew. Hello there, and welcome back to Porsche Club Insider. This is episode 20. We're at PCA headquarters. This is our second show in our newly minted podcast room here at HQ. I'm here with the Insider crew. I'm Vu Gwen. I'm PCA's executive director with Manny Alban, our technical director, and Damon Lowney, our digital media coordinator. But before we get started, let me ask you something. Do you eat chicken and waffles? <laughs> no. You, you, you eat chicken and waffles. I love chicken and waffles. I've never had chicken and waffles. You've never had enough. chicken and waffles? What? I know. It, it's weird. You have not I lived. Grew up in SoCal. You have so. lived a very sheltered life. <laughs> the I've always meant to, but just never, never happened. Well, uh, then I guess I'm just going to ask you. Um, have you ever eaten chicken and waffles with a chicken that's been on the, that's on the bone? Um, yes, I have. I've never been served. I have. That. I mean... I guess that's probably more authentic than deboned chicken on the chicken and waffles. Because it's like basically someone took the idea of while they were eating fried chicken and they had this wonderful waffle that they would combine it. So I don't think they deboned it when they first created it. But what are you just going to take your knife, cut your waffle on the chicken at the same time? Yes. You hit bone. Oh, uh, no. I mean, you can strategically cut around the bone. Wait a minute. When do you eat See, who wants chicken? to do that? When do you eat fried chicken with a knife and fork? Well, I mean, but when you combine it with a waffle, you have to do it with. But you're just saying that the guy who invented this was eating fried chicken. (laughs) Welcome to PCA's Porsche podcast with chicken and waffles. We went to a a PCA Reason Social, and I'd got chicken and waffles, and it came, uh, and it was a uh, expensive restaurant for what it was. Um, The waffles looked great; they were about five inches in diameter, Mm -hmm. but it had a piece of. uh, Bone and chicken on these piece of piece of waffle, and, and you, I, you have a problem with that? Yes, I don't think the chef ever seen what chicken and waffle. I think they told him add chicken and waffle. If to the I menu. could have him this passionate about everything, and he uh, and the chef said, "All right," because technically it was chicken and waffles. Yes, and the and they give you this, and they give you this like little uh, shot glass of syrup. Yeah, in no way is enough. No, <laughs> no, you got to drench the thing in syrup. Yeah, I mean you got to. Okay, but. The, Once the, the, you got the waffles your, like a sponge, but when you got your piece of chicken cut with your s- s- syrup sponge waffle, was it good? No, because it was very dry. Uh, okay, well, <laughs> that's, a, no. that's totally the, different. I think I don't the think, chef was making uh, beef jerky with chicken. I don't think the bone is really the factor. The the the, the quality of the chicken is is most. Well, important. it shocked me when I saw it. Well, anyway, so. <laughs> there yeah, you go, folks. That's what we've been doing since. Uh, <laughs> it's been bothering me uh, all night. Uh, <laughs> Tell us how you feel about your chicken and waffle. Should it have a bone in it or should it be boneless? Only if you tried it. I don't. Only if you tried it. Yes, yes, yes. Don't weigh in if you've never eaten chicken and waffles. Ah, uh, <laughs> let's see. What else have we done? Oh, I know. We went autocrossing. Oh, yeah. I, I beat you again. Oh, oh, okay. All right, all right. Let me. <laughs> okay, we we had a wonderful time. Kudos to the crew, uh, Chesapeake Region Autocross, and it was on a Saturday, and it was scheduled to rain all day. And um, honestly, I was expecting that it was going to be canceled, but they held it, and it was still an amazing time. Now, with that understanding that it was going to be wet, um, the Trofeo R's that are on my 996 are not the best in like big standing water puddles and it was raining hard so i chose to take uh, loanne's boxster 
base 99 Boxster uh, with uh, Toyo R1Rs. Yeah. Uh, fairly new. And that's what I chose to bring to battle Damon that day. Yep. And you did better. <laughs> I did. I Look did. I did. I, I ran I ran the first heat and it was uh, raining most most the time and it was certainly wet all of the time yeah um, but it did dry out a little bit no it didn't there dry out like two or three runs where yeah. it wasn't really raining and you, you had your top down so all i could tell i could tell <laughs> that you were getting nervous because i was running pretty quick yeah with I, with her car oh yeah and um you know i was ahead of some gt3s and some yep. pretty significant cars and i could see damon sweating yeah unfortunately i didn't get to stay for all of his runs but yep. i saw i saw the, the run where, runs he, where i went off <laughs> Yes, his first his first two runs he uh, DNF. So I was yeah. like, okay, he's gonna have to really bring it the last the last three runs, which he did. And he yeah. and I will admit he did beat me, but he only got me by th- yeah. three tenths, three tenths. Yeah. So there are Here, seven runs we did. Or was we it six? six? Six runs. It was six runs. So you did one, two, not three, pull four, up four, this. Five. No, seven the, runs here. Seven. So first okay. two I went off just dumb mistakes then i beat you on my third i'll just note that <laughs> my first clean run but um uh, it wasn't r- raining too too hard and then on my uh, uh fifth run it started sprinkling a little bit more that's when i got my fast run and then the last two it was just downpouring and we had puddles and i i went slower so all in all it was yeah. just a lot of fun and just you know yeah. I, I felt much better because last time we were battling yeah. um you know we were four seconds apart this That's time basically, being three, i swear three tenths, i could have okay. i could have made that gap a little more had yeah, i had sure you could have you are no rain. And, and if i had another lap i could have made that gap you are smaller. now the hoss of autocrossing <laughs> you pray for rain because you hope that the rain takes out the front runners Yep, and you have a chance. But were you not impressed that Loanne's car? Like I wasn't. Like I was driving yeah. her car, and I'm thinking, this is a great yeah. autocross car. Yeah. I mean, it's well, it's, it's very similar to mine, just without the nice suspension. So yeah, it's got you know, stock it's got suspension, roughly the same horsepower, um, nice tires. Yeah. You know? So and I'm, when's I'm the sure last time Loanne drove that car? Uh she drove it a couple uh, of months ago for tennis. Uh, well, uh-huh. I mean, since so she got her her new Honda, you know, that's always outside, so she just kind of climbs into that quickly. So. You know, I, I kind of have to take it out of the garage and, and like stage it for her for her to enjoy just because she doesn't want to have to move all the cars. Yeah. It's a better autocrosser than your 996. Uh, I don't know about that. Yeah. I don't know about that. I was just, you know, surprised at how well the car did perform, especially in the rain. Yeah, and more uh, stickers to it. I'm sure it'll improve. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I could tell it definitely had a lot of body lean to it. Yep. I, but could, I could see that. Your car was like definitely it, it leaning. Was, it was. Oh, yeah. I was pushing it to the limit. But it was a lot of fun. But and, in the rain, you want a softer setting. Maybe, maybe that's, that's it. Gives you the advantage because you got a hard setting you're it's not conducive in the rain so we still have to have a rematch when i bring the 996 out yep yep when it's dry hopefully yeah so what have you been up to manny oh um bars and coffee we did tours with chesapeake um the 914 uh um i uh didn't have time so i took it to gennady at gp performance and uh um i have a leaky caliper i gotta stop by to see if he uh Hmm. um he was like, well, I'll exchange it for a new caliper, and that car is all original. Oh, no. Uh-oh. So I'm like, you know what? I think I'll pay whatever the core charge is so yeah. I can keep this original caliper. Uh, but he was going to see if uh, um, they still, obviously, they sell re- rebuild kits for those calipers. Yeah. And uh, his only worry was that the piston was damaged or not. Um, but I almost drained all the brake fluid out of it. Really? Yeah, I, didn't, I went, took it out for a drive, and everything was fine. I parked it in the driveway. 
and I see fluid coming out, and I'm thinking, well, it's not air conditioning, because I don't have air conditioning, and that's, it can only be oil transmission fluid, and I felt it. As soon as I felt it, I knew it was brake fluid. I had uh, changed the brake fluid a few months earlier, and um, at that point, I was uh, too tired to mess around with it, so I parked it, and then uh, I took it to him a week ago. and. Um, so he put on a newly rebuilt one, and you saved the core? I haven't checked with him. He said he was okay. going to... Um, if he couldn't, we could rebuild the one he had. He was going to put a uh, new one because you can still get new ones or rebuilt. I yeah. Guess, uh, and uh, he's going to raise the car because I had it really low in the front for autocrossing. Oh, I like the stance on your car. You're going to uh, raise it up to make it more stable. Make it level. Make it level because yeah, it had like an aggressive, like lowered. Yeah, front I think it's too aggressive, and uh, since I don't really autocross that car anymore, I, I didn't need it to be that. Uh, have no suspension travel in the front almost. But it looks so good. <laughs> Speaking of which, I find I uh, just about wrapped up uh, the the restoration is not the right word, but setting up my son's uh, new to him Honda Fit. And the, the reason I think of it is because I I lowered it. It needed an alignment, and I kind of went down the slippery slope. Well, if I'm going to get it aligned, it's got a hundred and ten thousand miles on the suspension. I might as well get shocks. And if I'm going to get shocks, I got to take out the springs. So if I'm going to do that, I might as well get new springs and if i'm gonna get new springs i might as well get lowering springs <laughs> so i did That's i did lowering hole. springs manny's looking at me going oh poor low Ann. but um that car was got all the suspension done but the last bit of it was uh the, the roof on hondas tend to fade a lot uh, especially a black car that has been left outside and my brother didn't really take great care of it and uh, repainting it is a pretty expensive uh uh, options so i took it to mod automotive down in clinton maryland and uh, they wrapped the roof they wrapped the roof in black 3m vinyl and uh, i'm actually going to go back and um wrap the front in um in um, black ppf so now who, who, whose car is this <laughs> this is the same it always is like this someone else's car in a family hey if it's on the driveway at my house it's got to look appropriate it's got to be vu approved so it is it is just about done and uh, jason's been uh practicing driving we've gone on hills and everything so have you gotten rid of the corolla no but we will be getting rid of the corolla. so how many cars are sitting at your house right not including the garage. I, I, I won't even count. In the driveway in the street, how many cars? Uh, six. <laughs> you, how many people you, live in the house? I, I your a, driveway is just as full as mine. I have four cars in my driveway. Okay, I only have two more. <laughs> Man, that makes me look good. I have, I think, six cars total at my house. I only own three. I can't help it. I, can't, I have a problem. I, I admit, I can't let things go. But anyways, um, so that's done, and... Um, are you going to sell the Corolla or have you gotten some emotional attachment to it? No, I think it's one of those. I mean, it's got like 300 and some unknown miles because 06 Corollas are, are stopped counting after 299,999. Like they stopped counting. It's just a, a, a software flaw. So anyways, but like I don't know if I really want to sell it. It's a great car. Everything works on it. So um, there's somebody that might need it. We got it for super cheap, so we might just donate it to a family friend or someone that's in need. That's the only way I can get rid of it. I bet you six months from now, he still has it. <laughs> hey, maybe. Who am I? Who am I? <laughs> uh, let's see. We got to do some fun one-mile reviews uh, recently, and uh, I got to drive a bucket list car for me, and thank you to Mr. Um, Bill Tate. He brought over his 
gorgeous 1958 Speedster, a local car that I've known for quite some time, ivory over red. And uh, it's, I'm looking at the Unstock poster here, but uh, that car isn't a typical Unstock, but it is an Unstock car in the fact that he's modified it so that he can enjoy it. And it's a hot ride. I think it's got a 18 something uh, CC motor. So it scoots and it's got uh, bigger sway bars. It's got a camber, uh, camber kit on it. Man, what an amazing car. I should have asked him how, how many people come up to him asking if it's like a car or if it's real. I bet you all the time because cars like that, that, that car is probably what, worth 300 grand or so? And you don't expect to see a $300,000 speedster being driven the way he drives that car. He drives that car to parade. He drives it across the country. Um, he has no problem getting into it and just, just going the distance. And it's a beautiful car. It's a fun car to drive. Uh, and I had never driven. I'd driven a 356 before, uh, but I had never driven a speedster. That was and the it- last year of the speedster. 58. Mm. There were some 59 Carrera Speedsters, but uh, 58 was really the last year of the Speedster. Well known. And uh, it was probably the most refined. Mm. This is like a Bob 54, which yeah. is uh, almost archaic compared to uh, I gotta tell I gotta tell you, it was intimidating to climb in, you know, and you know, I've driven my 914 and, you know, I know that shifting is not exactly exact uh, uh, on some of these older vintage uh, Porsches, uh, with his, you know, I kind of thought it would be the same way. Um, and when I put it into first, I'm like, am I, like, am I already in gear? Or and he's like, it needs to like, I think I forgot the phrase that he mentioned, but he pop, says, he says it's got, it's got to pop in. And I'm like, well, why don't you do it first? So I can kind of hear what that pop is like. And sure enough, it's like where I went to was right before the pop, and he just gave it a little bit more nudge. And it's like click, and it goes in. And then once you know that, driving the car was no problem at all. Uh, first had a little, like, you know, click in. Second had a little click in. And certainly you're not rowing the gears fast. You got to let kind of things catch up. Third gear had a little click into it. But after third gear, everything was smooth. Plenty of power to keep up with, um, with modern day traffic. But boy, do you feel like you're driving crazy fast. I mean, you're doing 35, 40 in these, these back roads and and you know you got this big wood rim steering wheel and flinging it around. It was so much fun, yeah. so much fun. Actually, yeah. talk about fun. You want to talk about? But can you imagine daily driving that when that was new? He did. That's what I mean. You got yeah. you got no windows. You just got plastic windows. Yeah. That slide into the doors, uh, so you can't roll them down. You're gonna unzip them, and uh, I think uh, fold them down. Uh, no, uh, obviously no air conditioning. Uh, very loud. The top is very thin. It, because it was a, it was the cheap car, it was the uh, entry level car. It just amazes me that people uh, were daily driving that. Well, you saw that. We'll go back, um, hopefully, to that picture where I'm sitting in it. I can only imagine with that top up how tiny of a cockpit that is, and it would be. And with the windows, I think the window opening is not like a full window. It's got mostly like a solid, um, solid vinyl, and then just like a little piece of clear so you could look out the side. So daily driving something like that would definitely be for a hardcore enthusiast which bill is and i think he drove for like a decade to to, i think it's uh, nsa or somewhere that he drove across 32 and where he worked but what i thought was really interesting about this car it's a 58 right Mm -hmm. and he bought it eight years later as a rust bucket can you believe 
it only took eight years to take a car from new to rust bucket status. Like that's yeah. unheard of these days. Cars, even the cheapest cars today, last longer than that. But uh, yeah, they had a lot of options too. Yeah, it was, uh, shown as the book, it was. Uh, so once again, these were uh, the entry level. They were trying to compete with the English cars, so mm-hmm. it was very bare bones. Even the armrest, which is something I didn't know. Was a rare option. This one has the um, coupe seats. Mm-hmm. The speedster seats were buckets. They were really basic. I mean, David would have loved them because original speedster seats are very supportive. Yeah. Uh, but these are much more comfortable. But they weren't that popular because they would cost a lot more. So you were you were telling me, I believe that this car was like a stripped down model that was built primarily for the U.S. market. Yeah, it was yeah. Uh, because of the, once again, Max Hoffman was telling Doc. Doc Porsche that the very Porsche that uh, they had to compete with English cars mm-hmm. and get the price down. The English cars, of course, compared to a speedster, uh, were almost dinosaurs. Yeah. Uh, but um, people were looking at the price and saying, uh, kind of like saying, I can buy a Miata. Why would I want to buy a Boxster? Yeah. When I can get close to the same performance. So I, I remember you talk about Max Hoffman. I think it's like that poster that you see where it's a photo of a speedster and for. $2,999 or something yeah. like that, you can get a brand new speed. Like, I, I know that's a lot of money or was a lot of money back then, but it's just so yeah. interesting to think that amount of money could have gotten you a speed. Who would have known? Like, he did. He bought that car not thinking that one day it was going to be, you know, a six figure car. He just got it because he thought it was cool and it was a fun yeah. car to drive. And another, another factoid is that, uh, that is more similar to a car that James Dean raced yeah. as opposed to the car that James Dean is probably most known or be he never, got, with. he never got to race. He because, never got to drive uh, the 550 Spider, right? Yeah. Um, but he was racing a Speedster. All, yeah. I think it was a white one as well, yeah. all, all over the place. Yeah. So anyways, so speaking of um, you know cars that were stripped down and made kind of unique for... Um, you know, a, a better marketing ploy, I guess, or or make it more attractive. We got to drive another very special car, a 1993 968 Club Sport, and boy, this car, in, especially in speed yellow, gorgeous, gorgeous car. Yeah, it was a car that was never available in the U.S. Um, so of course, whatever we can't get, we is what we want. And uh, but this was not an RS. Um, it's a whole different animal. Um, it's basically like if you uh, if you wanted something a little bit more sportier than the regular 968, you could get this in Europe. And this one had a lot of options that uh, increased the weight, and the car was uh, 200 pounds less than a regular uh, 968. But once you added uh, things like air conditioning, um, it, uh, it didn't. It came with um, I think uh, you, know, you had the sport uh, sport buckets, which. Uh, or late, later weight, no rear seating. Um, one of the things we thought was cool that Damon made it short of was how to open up the rear hatch, mm-hmm. which we didn't know. We, I was just yeah. trying to follow. I knew the wiring would go up to the front because that's where it's, Damon had mentioned that on his 944, it was uh, released within the front. So Yeah, next to the hood latch. Yes, yeah, so I was trying to see where the wiring would go, and then we I saw the little uh, yeah. pull for the latch. and yeah. uh, We went back to look for a uh, a keyhole to open up the the, the hatch, yeah. but they, there's, there's no keyhole no either, either, probably because that mechanism's too heavy, probably, right? Yeah, yeah they, they were trying to save weight as much as possible. Yeah. So having said that, though, I mean, I kind of went into experiencing this car thinking that it was going to be a really stripped-down car. Like, I was thinking roll-up 
windows, which this has power windows. I was thinking no AC. This car has AC. I was thinking no radio. This car has radio. So other than the fixed seats and the removal of the rear seats and maybe some of the cable pulls, like how different is this from a normal 968? Is the engine any different? No, it's the same engine, and uh, there was two like desirable options you wanted to look for. Uh, the MO30 option. Uh, Suspension. And, yeah, yeah, and I think it was the uh, 220 option, which was the limited slip. Mm. I think that's the number for it. Not all of them came with. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you could make this car as uh, comfortable as you want it, depending on your options. This one had air conditioning. Mm. Originally, it didn't come with air conditioning. So if it didn't come when it came the way it came originally without air conditioning, it meant you only needed one fan. So they took out the other fan because extra weight. But you get air conditioning, you got to go back to two fans so that adds more weight. So uh, I think it was twenty nine ten was uh, pounds was the uh, original weight, but you start adding up. Start. Yeah, it kind of seems like the RS America of nine six eight. Exactly, Damon. Yeah. It's exactly what I was thinking. That uh, everyone loved the idea of an RS America stripped, but the reality was, uh, if I'm going to live with it, I really want air conditioning, <laughs> and uh, yeah. yeah, radio yeah. would be nice. Yeah, and uh, so the 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 chance of finding an RS America with just a limit slip. So I, you know, I, I got to drive a few miles because I did the pickup of the car. And, uh, you know, it's a very smooth drivetrain, uh, very sweet engine. It's quick. It's not fast. Um, it handles really well, especially a car of its age. It was, it was a very solid car. But those of you that know me, I've said this before, like for some reason, I think it's my, my proportions of <laughs> torso and short legs. Or something like that, but I cannot sit comfortably inside a 944, 968. Like when I sit, in order for me to get like the clutch down all the way down and like have that area comfortable, like I'm like eating the steering wheel and my forehead is touching the visor. So I, I don't know. See, I, I never to, had that problem. I don't in my know how S2. to fix that. And I, I wish I could fit better in the car because I know I would enjoy it more. And so that's why for the one mile review, I thought it'd be. You know, much better for one of you guys to do it because I would just look completely awkward inside that car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a fun car. It was uh, pretty cool to drive a club sport. So we have some. We had some other one mile reviews, didn't we? Recently released. You did that uh, two thousand nine nine six Carrera. Yep. Berg. So really well optioned. Uh, Manny drove a really well optioned nine eleven Carrera Cabriolet, a two thousand model, so a nine nine six, and had I think uh, thirty pages of options. Which included a pretty, yeah. pretty wild leather interior. Uh, you know what? You're See, right. you're, you're right. right. Look at that. Yeah, it's black in the middle. I don't know if you can pause right there uh, or go back. So we were just talking about how on the sun visors, a lot of 996 sun visors and boxer sun visors, the flap that goes over top the mirror, they break because the pins are so the fragile. Black, the black part of the yeah. black part of that. that sun people visor. watching the YouTube version of our yep. podcast are going to see. Uh, that flap and uh, so there you go. See, it, so it was Vu found, Vu found is it kit. that there or right yeah. in the center? Yeah, the, the center part. There. Okay. Yep. yep. I didn't think. Uh, I thought it was spotty colored on this car. Yeah. So there's some there's some kits out there that you can so you can buy from Porsche uh, or Porsche Classic like the complete visor or you can buy like the the mirror and the 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 lid combo from Porsche. But there's some you know other folks that are just making the lid. It doesn't match perfectly, but mm -hmm. it's pretty good and they've kind of reinforced the uh, the pivot points. 
So I bought that to try out, and maybe we'll we'll do a, a video in the future, see how how the well that works out. Yeah, but this um, 996 Cabriolet, uh, Rick's car, he was the original owner, and uh, boy, if you were ever, if you're looking for a 99, not that he's selling it, but this is the kind of car you want to like find. So did he go in and check all those options? Like that was yeah, a lot of them, a lot of which uh, before the internet was like a huge huge thing like yeah. it is now. And with yeah, if you guys have been to Porsche.com, you'll probably have noticed the configurator to build your own Porsche. This flashy thing, the car spins around as you check options. It wasn't like that back then. No. Yeah. <laughs> you had to go through a book, right, and check off. It was uh, tech equipment, not exclusive. Yeah, it was because, tech equipment, okay. Uh, right, right, yeah, right. So it was um, yeah, very, well, uh, very well optioned. And make, most of all, the car has been taken care of. Like, Rick always takes care of his cars. And uh, uh, yeah, I thought to myself, this is the, the way I bought my 914. You know, the previous owners had really mm -hmm. taken care of the car. If I was in a market for a 996 Cabriolet, um, this is the kind of car I'd want to buy. No stories, just... Uh, it's a beautiful yeah. car, beautiful example. And then I think that's probably like the ultimate touring 996. And, and that's the type of car you want to buy from someone that has maintained it and it's like a perfect specimen. So we also talked about this last time, um, the one-mile review of the Rubystone RS. You dropped that video. Uh, yep, recently. that's now out. Go check it out. It's pretty easy to see. It's the uh, what basically looks like a pink 964 um, on the thumbnail. Oh my so God, I, th probably. I think you just offended a ton of people by <laughs> just calling it. Pink. It's basically pink. <laughs> it's Ruby Stone. Dark pink. <laughs> we had uh, well, we had a, a, a viewer has offered to bring his yeah uh, career cup USA career cup yeah car to uh, to have us drive it. And uh, another uh, viewer, he said, if you're in Florida, I think he's in Florida, uh, he offered uh, you know, to let us drive his. But his, I sent, asked him to send me a picture of it because he was describing it on the YouTube comments. Mm -hmm. And uh, he sent me a picture of it. And uh, I'll ask him uh, for the next podcast we can show it. Uh, but it has like 959-style um, touring seats. So it's not the Whoa. ones like in this Ruby Stone that are the, um, the one-piece racing seats. Yeah. These are more to comfort. But the, remember the 959 had like a tri-color. Right. A gray. Mm -hmm. That's what this has on the, and it has um, like regular door panels. Um, I think he said it, air conditioning. It was a, it was a kind of like the club sport. Yeah. You checked off certain boxes to make it more comfortable, but it was still an RS. Very. Uh, I think very that's. Interesting. I think that's what we're trying to achieve with one mile review. Is you know we're just taking quick, uh, you know, drives in these cars to share with people what it's like, and it's not looking at the model overall we're looking at the specific example that we're driving and as we travel across the country and you know damon and manny and myself with uh, camera gear and microphones and stuff like that you know if you're interested in letting us drive your car and you've got something special we would love to do it obviously we can't do everybody's car um but yeah it's just a way for us to do something fun and give you some uh, special content and yeah. speaking of special content uh, i've said it before that we're dropping so much content on our youtube we're trying to get to a hundred thousand subscribers on youtube and each and every one of you that are listening and watching you guys can make a difference it would mean a whole heck of a lot uh to us to make sure that you subscribe so and what that means is uh the hundred thousand dollar uh dollar excuse me hundred thousand members or viewers or subscribers uh that means that uh, our videos will get shown to a wider audience correct uh, when the people are searching so we'll be up the top not the bottom and because uh, a lot of people say oh your content's great um you should have a lot more views mm -hmm. and we agree 
Oh, yeah. we, we have a lot of views. We have a lot of watch time. Yeah. Um, that's all looking really good. But uh, whoever is watching our videos is not subscribing. Yes. Yeah, so, so please subscribe. Subscribe and, <laughs> and also share if you love it that much. You know, repost it again. The the whole idea of us doing this is to you know try to make Porsche Club of America a household name for every enthusiast, for those that own Porsches, as well as for those that don't own Porsches but hope to someday own a Porsche. We want them to just like when I when I bought my my 911 back in 2003. Like I bought the car and immediately knew I was going to be part of the club. So that's what we want to try to ingrain and. You know, by getting our content out there, having subscribers, that's going to help the overall cause, right? So, yeah. I was talking to some uh, fairly new members at the social, and I said, so uh, how did you find out about PCA? And he says, I've known about all my life. I said, oh, so your <laughs> mom and dad or somebody was in the club? They go, no. I said, so how did you hear about it then? All your <laughs> and he says, I've always been in the cars and in magazines and everything I've read. PCA is always mentioned when it comes to Porsches. Level. Perfect. I guess we're finally uh, getting That's it perfect. <laughs> perfect, perfect, perfect. So speaking of new content, we're going to be creating some new content with a vehicle that's parked right outside the office here. And with its, I think, Arctic Gray and Neodyme wheels, this thing is a beast. It's like, what is it, the quickest SUV uh, on the Nürburgring? Yeah, yeah. It's a 631 horsepower Cayenne Turbo GT. Oh boy! Yeah. All right, I will. I will confess here. When these Cayenne coupes or even SUV coupes started coming out, what about five years now? We started seeing these. We don't count the Nissan Murano, <laughs> although that might be known <laughs> as the first SUV coupe. Uh, like I, I don't. I didn't really understand because I'm. I'm the type of person that like if you buy an SUV, you want like a very utility SUV, and if you buy a sports car, you want sports cars. So. And, you know, my initial thinking of, okay, they've combined this. Do you really need to combine it? Like, no, probably not. Probably not. So, <laughs> so, so again, I'm confessing that I didn't get why a coupe version of an SUV. But remember, the crossovers have become very popular. Absolutely. Yeah. I know. So Manny and I haven't driven it yet, but I'm sure we will. And, and we'll let me just, let me just summarize bit. it. I get it. I get yeah. it. It is <laughs> and at the risk of sounding like a fanboy. Um, this thing's a beast. It is a beast, and I can see why um, you can have, you know, everything all wrapped into one. Uh, it it is an amazing drive, and I'll just leave it at that because I don't want I don't, don't want to. Yeah, next you, podcast. Next we'll, podcast, yeah. we'll talk about the the specifics. Speaking of, of which, I, I don't know. Did you mention that uh, starting? Oh yeah, no, we'll I did. Weekly now, I'll let you do the honors. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> we're going. Uh, we're we're going to go weekly. I mean, it, that'll be our goal. Um, of course, uh, you know, as we get into some of the uh, event seasons and it might, you know, uh, mess up our schedule, but we are going to make an effort to drop a podcast every week, weekly, most of the time. Yes. And if that's uh, good for you, make sure you're subscribing on your podcast uh, platform. Make sure you're commenting because, again, that just lets us know so that if you want to comment, uh, your best bet is probably go to YouTube. YouTube or Apple Podcasts uh, lets you do. Well, they let you let, leave reviews. Oh, right, right, but right. But you can't comment uh, on each uh, right, right, right. podcast. So if you go to, to the YouTube version and uh, comment, uh, you know, we re obviously we read every comment uh, or any email you send to us. We but, do. Uh, we absolutely do. I log on every day and look at the comments. And when there's questions, I try to answer them. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, actually our last podcast where it was the first one here, we had experience at no fault of the microphones because they're the Telefunken microphones are amazing, but we kind of had it set up, set up improperly. So you heard a little bit of popping sounds from my big mouth <laughs> and maybe positioning wasn't correct. So hopefully this time around, we've made a couple of changes. Uh, so we're still learning, but you know, someone had mentioned that on YouTube and, yeah. uh, we addressed it. So, yeah. all right. Uh, oh, this was something interesting. Came in from a friend of mine. We probably shouldn't say his name, but, um, GT, is it GT2 or GT3 owners that, that are hmm. choosing GT2 or GT3? GT2 or GT3. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Um, again, we probably shouldn't mention the name of whatever kit this is, but people are taking the rear wing off of their cars yeah. because they drive it primarily on the street and they like the look of a touring. And they do look awesome, don't they? they? Like that. They do look yeah. good. However, however, I'll let Manny talk to what it means when you're pulling off the purpose-built wing on the back of your GT3 or GT2. So uh, it's called a wing delete kit, not made by Porsche. It's an aftermarket. And uh, it's not like badge delete where you simply take off the badge of the rear and then no big deal. Um, you know, Porsche had the touring models, which didn't have uh, any wing, but they compensated with the downforce with the underbody and uh, the yeah, fusers and, I, and whatnot. And I think they even added the Cabriolet's wing that I think raises at a steeper angle. And yeah. they did things in the so front to balance it off. Yeah, they 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 have a thing called a wind tunnel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And they test. Uh-huh. Um, they don't just say, "Hey, that looks cool. Um, let me let me put that on there." And the um, as a Porsche evidently got uh, wind of this and mm. was very concerned because, you know, after I saw the email from Porsche, um, that I thought, yeah, I said the liability, of course, is going to come back to them because they're going to, people are going to sue whoever has the most money. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there could be a serious uh, accidents with these cars because they're very fast, obviously, and uh, not having that downforce in the rear or thinking that you have a replacement downforce because you've got this delete kit that make uh well, here, here's the thing. Most people, most people don't know, but I believe factory cars are designed to have a certain amount of understeer. Because when you understeer, it's quite a bit. Down. You slow down, and it, correct, it corrects. You kind of get back in control. But when you lose the traction or the downforce at the back, it's going to create an oversteer situation, meaning it's going to have the back try to come around you. And when that snaps, especially at speed, that is very hard. Not many people are trained or have uh, driven uh, enough to be able to correct that. So I can only imagine if you have something like a GT3 or GT2. Yeah, if you're driving 40 miles an hour, probably isn't an issue. 60 mile an hour, maybe not an issue. But I'm thinking if you get like 70, 80 miles an hour, that is going to make a difference. And if you bury your nose into an on-ramp at speed and you don't have that traction in the back, it's going to come around on you. And that's obviously something very scary. I know that Robert just showed a number of different types of wings. This one happens to be factory, but a few photos before that, he showed various wings. Yeah, that's, that's the something wind to tunnel. consider. When you're changing or adding a wing or taking away a wing from your car, you have to think about the aerodynamics. The engineers at Vysox certainly did, and they know exactly the amount of pressure um, that it's exerting on the car. Some of these wings that are out there, they look beautiful. Maybe some are tested. I'm not saying aftermarket ones aren't tested, but just make sure. Make sure if you're doing stuff to your car, 
that's going to affect the balance, the downforce balance, uh, make sure it's affecting it in a positive fashion or at least in an equal fashion where if you're adding down pressure in the back, you better put something up front. Or if you're taking something off in the back, make sure you're taking something off in the front so you maintain that balance because you don't want to make your car handle worse, right? Yeah, I maybe mean, look at the club racing community a little bit for for inspiration when it comes to that oh, sort yeah. of stuff. They definitely know Arrow. Yeah. yeah. Well, we hope. Because yeah, we, exactly. <laughs> uh, once again, it's uh, having a wind tunnel really makes a difference, and, yeah. and understanding aerodynamics, not uh, you know, not staying at a Holiday Inn and believing that you're an aerodynamicist, yeah. and you can uh, you, you know how to set the car up to compensate for what Porsche did. Yeah. Uh, but it was interesting to me that Porsche sent this email out to owners yeah. of these cars telling them do not remove your uh your wing that's there uh as the, as a safety measure that was um uh, i think the company that uh was making these kits that definitely a come to jesus uh email <laughs> yeah because uh once again if you put this uh, delete kit uh you know first thing i thought was i you know i put this delete kit on my car and i sell it to damon uh, damon is not a he doesn't know this. Yeah. He thinks the car comes like this. Yeah. Damon says, I'm going to sign up for the track. Ooh. He goes out to the track, not realizing that he should have a wing and uh, loses it because he's going so fast and he doesn't have that uh, downforce in the rear. And if there's something fatal. Yeah. Th this know. leads me to why I, I prefer a GT3 over a Touring is because he got that downforce. That's what the car was originally built. Yeah, but the Touring was designed knowing that. It didn't yeah. have a wing, and they changed the arrow for that. So it's 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 balanced. The touring yeah, is yeah. built knowing that it doesn't have a wing. Well, so, the new, yeah. new GT3 RS uh, comes out of that wing that we all see in spy shots. Yeah, the huge the active wing. wing. Yeah. Um, God, I hope no one builds <laughs> or tries to make a delete kit for oh, that. No, right, right. Because that's that's an integral part to the performance of that car. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's just me, but I like big wings. I mean, if you yeah. look at a lot of the cars that are on my driveway. I've got wings. Yeah. I like wings. I mean, it has a function, you know. And then you go to the track, you know, or you go to an autocross. Not that an autocross it would matter that much, right? No, I don't know, man. You see those SCCA folks. Yeah, man, some of them. Some big wings. Big wings. Yeah. yeah. You got. You got to be going a certain speed. Yeah. You got to have the wing closer to the roof line. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I club raced for a long time, and midway through my club racing career, I switched to a wing factory RS wing mm -hmm. on my 964. I didn't notice one ounce of. <laughs> Oh really? Yeah. And I talked to someone who had. He a wasn't driving fast enough. Yeah, that's <laughs> I asked him a factory race car. I'm like, uh, do you notice a difference? And he said, no. He goes, but if you put uprights and you uh, get, get your way high. higher, he goes, yeah. Daniel noticed a difference. Mm. And I couldn't do now that in like my class. <laughs> it's the same thing with the front. I bought this chunky non-factory uh, uh, splitter, but boy, it, from the looks of it, it looked like I was going to have a thousand pounds of downforce in the front. Nothing. Not only did it do anything. Uh, I lost it at Sebring. It came off. It came off. <laughs> and the next lap, to show how consistent I used to be running my uh, line, I ran over it. You ran over your own? My own splitter. splitter. And I remember coming on the radio saying, somebody's losing body parts out here. <laughs> and it turned out to be a friend of mine, uh, like six months later, he had gotten the same spoiler, because it looks really aggressive. And he was at VIR, and uh, he lost his spoiler. Mm. And and I said, uh, you know, I said, look, let's look at our lap times. I said, because at, at Sebring, I said, my lap times actually improved when I took the big front splitter off. <laughs> and he looked at his. He got better, too, Yeah. after he lost the splitter. So he saw the wing in the back, but he didn't have. But anyway, it, that's why the factory didn't wasn't racing these big splitters on their on their race car. They were 
it didn't look great like the aftermarket, but yeah. there was, they knew something that we didn't. Let's get into some news here. You chose a couple of links here. Uh, it was National Ice Cream Day recently, and Porsche decided to participate in that. Chicago, right? Yeah, yeah. The uh, obviously the colors and the uh, uh, it's, pretty, it's pretty cool. That Porsche. I would have loved it. If I, I, you know, as a collector, I'm not sure what, what I would do with ice cream bars because you couldn't really display them. <laughs> You'd have to show them in the freezer all the time. But I thought that was very cool uh, marketing. Uh, yeah, they definitely do cool stuff all the time. Uh, speaking of other cool things, they did a uh, GT3 Special Edition tribute in what I call Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> that that was a another uh, you know uh, I think Sunderwunsch yeah uh, deal, and uh, I would love a car like this. That's know, crazy celebrating the Super Cup, but a street street version of mm-hmm. uh, of the Super Cup that is. Uh, very That's a cool, good looking car. Cool project. That would be tough to drive on the street. You would attract so much attention. That's okay. Yeah. Not at all. Not I at guess all. It's just not for me. It's. I, I think it includes your favorite, Agate Gray. Yep, Agate <laughs> Italian pronunciation. For those of you that haven't heard oh, from our, what, what? Hey, what do we learn about patina or patina? Patina. <laughs> so patina. the the British. So we were listening. What, what was it? James May, Richard yes. Hammond, uh, patina. Patina. That's patina. where I got it. Patina. Is, but is that correct? It's That's correct how they pronounce it's British, it. I guess. Yeah. But they don't pronounce agate gray. No, they don't. They that was wrong. Agate so. <laughs> <laughs> so that was in a previous podcast we were making fun so of. So the one I really liked was the one about the uh, story of the PDK. Mm. I don't know if you mm. read that or not. But, no. Uh, so yeah, the uh, how, the, how PDK came to be, and <clears throat> evidently they uh, were developing it in the 60s. Wow, that early on. Yeah. And, mm. uh, so, uh, Porsche uh, was? Yeah, the engin- original engineer uh, you know, approached Fernand Pieck. He gave him a go ahead, and he developed a prototype, and he, and it kind of like just sat on the shelf after that. They didn't go any further. Um, fast forward, uh, another engineer digs up the prototype, what, and sticks it in a 944 turbo yeah. to say, "Hey, what if? <laughs> Let's take a look to see, uh, you know, how legit this was." Uh-huh. And and it works. They really like it. So then they stick it in the uh, 956, which yeah. is what I'm familiar with. I never knew that they did yeah. it in a. Uh, 944 huh. uh, but uh, yeah the pictures from the 944 um the, by the time they went to the 956 that's when they realized hey why don't we put the shifters on the steering wheel the paddles mm-hmm. you know obviously every minivans have paddles i think now but back then that was a pretty high-end thing yeah but and i thought boy if i lived around zuffenhausen where the factory is i'd have to look into every porsche parked on the street because it looks like a regular 944 right. turbo right. once you peer inside and you can see that the stick shifts are different and it had the PDK. Uh, uh, and it was basically computers weren't advanced enough to handle But from uh, handle a prototype the, from the 60s, they yeah. were able oh. to uh, start developing. So, so they don't throw it, much like you, Voo, they don't throw anything away. See, see, <laughs> see. <laughs> so here's a fast forward to yesterday driving the Turbo GT does not have a PDK in no, it. It's and a I think we asked uh, uh, Michael Tam of this at the LA, the LA Auto Show. And he said uh, it would require a lot of tolling uh, and changes to be able to put the PDK in it. Mm. So, you, so is that the case, or is it because of the weight? And I know that, like, is is the is a standard transmission more robust than a PDK? Like, say for towing and stuff. Like, well, you, you got not, the torque converter, yeah, uh, and a standard trans- 
transmission, which you don't have in PDK. Mm. So that handles uh, more torque. Yeah. Ah, okay. But uh, I mean, well, it's it, it's it, it's it's handles the torque for towing, but you know, obviously, uh, PDK is in the uh, fastest cars Porsche makes. Yeah. But according to Michael Tam, it was really a, an issue of um, fitting it in of tooling. Oh, tooling. I mean, uh, one of the other videos that came out with uh, that Laura Bernstein did uh, with the interview with Boris. Oh yeah, and, great job on that, Damon. Know, by the way, if you hear he uh, he wasn't even there. He coordinated it. It was under the direction. <laughs> you know, it was under the direction of Damon Lowney. So I, I, I have to say that Laura had just as much, if not more, to coordinate that. She well did a done, great Laura. Job. So yeah. So anyways, I was watching it and. Uh, Hearing Boris, and I, I heard this at the uh, parade some um, uh, seminar, so I'm glad uh, we were able to capture it on this video too, about how they develop the fender without the um, intake. Mm -hmm. Turbos always have the intakes. Right. And uh, they had to basically pay for pulling. Right. Do their own Like tooling. a big stamp, right? Yeah, to get this yeah. fender to be able to fit in. So yeah. it was... Uh, and you wonder why they're only making 1,250 Sport Classics. Is It's not because necessarily it has to be limited, which it does. But because the tooling, which is the, the, the size of a small apartment, mm -hmm. um, only has enough it can to only do 1,200 stamp that many out, right? Yeah, exactly. Wow. And I'm sure they probably built in, you know, if somebody needs a replacement vendor, maybe they can stamp out a few more. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Do you know some crazy. people are going to come up and say, well, I want my turbo without the uh, intakes also. Oh, sure. But it's such a clean look to it. Yeah. Well... But their turbos, you know, needs, with that, the, needs that whole yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. They they reduce the power on the Sport Classic for the transmission mostly because I believe the air doesn't, the intake air doesn't go through the sides anymore. It goes through the uh, uh, the deck lid grill. The the intakes on the sides are for something else, which I'm forgetting. Mm. But yeah, if you haven't checked out that video that dropped recently, mm -hmm. um, it's uh, what did we call it? Sport Classic. A review with with Boris. We've been doing so many yeah. videos lately. I can't it's, remember uh, all the titles. Yeah, manual uh, 2023 Porsche 911 Sport Classic exclusive walk around with uh, uh, <laughs> the head of <laughs> Porsche exclusive. Your, uh, yeah, hey, hey we're trying to fit all the keywords. <laughs> yeah. Here, so as you as I said, we're doing all that we can to get maximum maximum subscribers. Yeah. Um, so let's 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 talk about this next topic, which I will again uh, admit to not knowing. Exactly. I want to watch. Details. I want to watch Jim pace and, back and, and forth Jim, in the hallway. Keep like Jim he out has there been for the ten minutes. It reminds me of. I feel like a doctor at a doctor's appointment. I'm going to make this guy wait a little longer. We brought Jim in before. We were talking about uh, racing and such. Who, which he's you know the the one that's most engaged in the office with with pro racing. Uh, but today we're bringing him in to talk about the Porsche IPO. What does it mean to enthusiasts? Jim is Jim's going to be insanely he, rich he, by the Jim end. Jim likes to say he is an <laughs> owner of Porsche. Yeah, I'm not only a member. He's I'm an, an owner. owner. He's an owner. And, and, and share with our listeners how many uh, shares of Porsche do you have? He's going to be the next uh, Musk, right? A, a whopping uh, 62 at this point. <laughs> oh, you point. increased to 62. I'm up to 62. When you first told me about it, you said you literally bought one. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually paying off. It's paying off? Yeah. Okay. All right, so so share with the listeners like what are the key things to know about this IPO and and what's it like to be an owner. So this article is on our website. Oh yeah, so absolutely. It's an article Jim wrote yeah, so, last week, I think was it. Yeah, I'll try not to repeat what's in the article so people can actually read that. But uh, 
sitting next to Manny, I like to tease Manny that uh, you know he may have all this you know experience and background with PCA, but uh, he's sitting to an actual owner of Porsche. So <laughs> I like to tease Manny about that. But yes, my my 62 shares really um, doesn't add up to much. I get no voting rights. I don't get any say in the company. I just got a little email that says I have uh, shares in Porsche SE. Nice. So it doesn't add up to much, but. I think it's very significant, and I, I, I would argue this uh, this point with anybody that I think this this uh, upcoming IPO could potentially be the biggest thing for Porsche at, at this moment. You know, people like to talk about, well, maybe Formula One or, you know, the uh, LMDH program or all the electric cars coming out, but the management of the company, I think, is far more significant than anything else going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if you haven't heard all this, so there's a uh, possibility that, Volkswagen is going to list Porsche as a company on the stock market, which basically means they're going to spin off Porsche as its own, its own company. And that's pretty significant because right now, everything's got to go through Volkswagen. But let me stop you right there. But you already have shares. So yeah, how, this does, is, how is it that you have shares when it hasn't been offered yet? Yeah, so this is where it's kind of confusing, and I, and I can explain this uh, hopefully in a, in a nutshell. But uh, before I get to that, why I think it's so significant is if just look at the recent uh, Formula One discussions. You know, Porsche has to go to the Volkswagen board and say, hey, uh, can we enter Formula One? And Volkswagen mm-hmm. says, I don't know if we want to spend the money on that. And uh, then they have to convince that, that board. So for, first, Porsche has to convince its own board, hey, we should do Formula One. And then, then they got to take that up, mm. up the ladder to, v, uh, to VW and convince them. Uh, in a post-IPO world, if, if Porsche could spin off, they could do whatever they want. They could just go to their own board and say, let's do Formula so One. So one less layer of a One problem. less layer. It makes things more confusing. Remember, the Porsche family has high stakes in Volkswagen, too. Yeah. So, wow. here's, so to Manny's point, here's where it gets confusing. Mm-hmm. I actually have shares of what I mentioned a, a minute ago of Porsche SE. So Porsche SE is a holding company uh, that... It doesn't run a business. It's a holding company that just holds shares in primarily Volkswagen. So um, the, the family, the, the Porsche and Pick family, have this holding company, Porsche SE, and that is listed on the stock exchange. So I have shares of Porsche SE. Porsche SE is the majority owner of Volkswagen. Volkswagen's the majority owner of Porsche. I so, see, I see. Okay. So indirectly. But why this is significant to this conversation is what uh, Porsche is hoping is that Volkswagen will list them this fall, uh, uh, you know, uh, an IPO. So that IPO is an initial public offering. So and right now you can't buy Porsche stock. Porsche is, um, you know, it's not listed. Porsche SE is listed, but Porsche is not because Porsche is owned by Volkswagen. Mm. You can buy Volkswagen stock, but you can't buy Porsche stock. Mm. So uh, what, uh, what they're hoping is that they'll spin this off. Um, and, but the reason I think this is uh, significant and the reason why I love talking about it is I think it's a very important for Porsche fans, for Porsche enthusiasts, uh, to have Porsche pulled back away from Volkswagen gives Porsche a lot of business freedom. And uh, all the profits that Porsche makes will go back to Porsche and Porsche development rather than to Volkswagen and Volkswagen dole it out. So Porsche is the, the most profitable um, as a percentage of car sales segment in all, of, um, in all of Volkswagen. So Porsche makes all this money, gives it to Volkswagen, and then Volkswagen decides where that, that profitability goes. So Manny has a steel trap of a mind 
uh, wasn't it like, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago when there was talks of like the separation and Porsche or Porsche was trying to buy Volkswagen or something like that? When Louis de King had uh, tried to initiate a uh, buyout of, of Volkswagen. Okay, so that would have been, Porsche would have been the, <coughs> the overall. That was in 2008. But it turned out that Volkswagen became the overall. Porsche, the world's economy collapsed. Yeah. Which they weren't planning on that. And yeah. uh, if you remember, the parade after that was very solemn mm. because um, Porsche had ceased to be a family-owned company in the sense we all knew, know and love them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it was very um, – I just remember hearing, you know, things are going to change, Volkswagen's coming. And, and uh, you know, I knew that uh, it was like, yeah, but Volkswagen's owned by Porsche. Uh, so it's kind of bizarre when – but the whole mentality, and actually, I think it turned out for the better. It really do. And mm-hmm. talking to people from Porsche, when because the whole uh, culture, uh, I think, was a little bit uh, was better for the workers mm-hmm. uh, from Volkswagen's mm-hmm. point of view. I mm-hmm. remember hearing that uh, you know they they didn't want people working over uh, forty hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so don't answer we, your emails or turn it off. That and- people were coming out and they were basically uh, signing out and then walking back up to their offices because. They were going to get in trouble if they were working over 40 hours. That yeah. Volkswagen wanted them to have a life. They even installed like a, a work-life day, balance, a, a daycare. Yeah, because they said you could have a family at the time you worked mm-hmm. for Porsche. So I think that whole uh, culture change uh, really obviously helped Porsche because you look at their um, their results now and they're doing phenomenal. Yeah, and everything I'm reading is this could be a, definitely a a win-win situation. Uh, so so. Porsche will spin off, become its own company, be listed on the stock exchange um, independently. They'll have business independent, but they're still going to have that cooperation with the Volkswagen Group in terms of production. So they'll still have that economies of scale. That, that that's what Manny's point. That's what uh, Volkswagen brought to the table. So they're still going to have that business relationship, but Porsche will be able to manage itself, which I think would be pretty so very similar to uh, Fiat letting go of Ferrari. Very what was similar. it ten years mm-hmm. ago or so, maybe less. Yeah, and the last I was reading this morning is, I mean, it's still a bit up in the air. There's no final commitment, um, but what I read this morning is Porsche is planning to make a decision by the end of August whether they'll con- you know uh, proceed with this. Right now, the initial vet investors that are looking at the uh, the IPO are saying that it's it's uh, Porsche wants too much. Mm-hmm. Porsche is stating that they think it's worth about 80 billion euros, mm-hmm. uh, 80 to 90 billion euros, and the investors are saying eh, more like 60. Mm. Um, and what I'm reading is Porsche won't take anything less than 60. Mm. But uh, as I was telling Manny yesterday, my my take on this is it's it's not just about the money. Yeah. It's about the independence, and I think the Porsche Pick family really wants it to be independent again, and I think that will. Uh, um, be more important than the last dollar and cent that they make off this. And so what uh, you were explaining to me, uh, the requirements to buy stock. It isn't like when you bought the SCC, you could buy one share. Yeah. You have to have a, a certain yeah, income so, uh, or traditionally, net worth. So traditionally IPOs go to the, the what they call friends and family first and foremost. So when this gets listed, the uh, Porsche SE group is going to buy a majority of the stock. Uh, and then Volkswagen said to, to probably line up to buy quite a bit of it as well. And then there's a percentage of it that's going to go out on the market that'll go to the heavy hitters. Mm. So my my little 62 shares at, uh, what's it now, about $7 a share, 
um, does not put me in the classification. <laughs> you, of a, you don't get that okay, special email yeah, that invites I, you to. You're not going to get allocation for Porsche stock. <laughs> Although I did have one source that I talked to when I was researching this story, um, said that sometimes, uh, in in cases like this, they will offer shares to the people that have the other shares. I'm not, not going to take that to the bank, <laughs> but who knows? But at this point, what'll probably happen is the Porsche SE value will drop because people that have bought into that want Porsche. Porsche. Mm -hmm. They don't want Volkswagen. They so they skip buying Volkswagen shares, they buy Porsche S E. And uh and so they're gonna skip right over that and go for the Porsche IPO when that actually starts to resell on the market. So people will buy that, they'll end up on the market and uh that's probably where the investors will go and then my little Porsche S E shares probably won't be worth that much. But uh but you're still an owner. Still an owner. <laughs> but I, I, think it's, I think it's critical to Porsche's future that they spin off. They also hope to use a lot of the money that's generated from the sale of these shares to put <clears> into <throat> the, the production of their electric cars. So they kind of need to fund their future. And if they can pull this off and they can fund that future without Volkswagen taking pieces of it, that, that could be a win for Porsche. There you have it. So, folks, if you want to read more about uh, what's it mean, uh, the IPO and Porsche to the enthusiasts, we do have that uh, full uh, column there that's online. Check that out. And, Jim? Yeah, I get called into these for the, the obscure. I'm like that guy in <laughs> you dodgeball. Are the, you are the obscure dodgeball, guy. <laughs> Manny, the obscure sports quarterly. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm the obscure Porsche content yeah. quarterly guy. Bikes and IPOs. <laughs> so since we're talking about bikes, I'm going to throw this little bike thing because he – totally got me this weekend we went for a ride on with our porsche bikes and uh he had like a top secret project that i didn't know about but it still didn't completely work <laughs> <laughs> yeah well so your your best friend gregory brown wanted to upgrade his his gears so that he'd go he could go faster and catch vu <laughs> so um so we did that uh the last week without vu knowing and then uh, we all went for a ride on sunday and and gregory tried to to beat you but uh Still didn't Gregory's work. been on this on the podcast. He's been on. He's on before. Yeah, so he tried his best. I don't think he quite got you, but we had a good laugh trying to make that happen. <laughs> but I did notice, man, he's faster this time. Like, did he eat something <laughs> special this morning? <laughs> All right, we are in full swing, getting ready for Works Reunion. Um, I'm actually going to hop on a plane <laughs> to go to the site and just make sure things are in order with Melanie uh, and uh, Tom Provasi our chair we are going to be at uh, the monterey pines golf course uh, august 19th and we are sold out for judge spaces and, i think and i think corral i think we're just about sold out yeah, for corral there were 10 as of last night yeah so probably when this airs probably when this airs it's probably gonna be sold you out can, you can still come still come and, and plenty of parking you know, plenty of parking but plenty of parking um parking is 40 bucks and you you park on the green too so it's 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 a nice um very nice venue for for spectators as well as for the yeah, competitors. Yeah, I did an article I think last week about uh, why Monterey Car Week should be on your bucket list, mm -hmm. and uh, I was going through a Jim uh, based on the book that Jim had gotten uh, from uh, was it the Chamber of Commerce or yeah something like that. Yeah, they had listed all the Concord. I said you know I always tell people about Monterey Car Week. Maybe I'll write an article about what it's uh, what it's about. You know, uh, and there's a lot of events I didn't list. Uh, trying to do the stuff that I thought were, was uh, interesting. But, uh, yeah, there's not much out there that's free. Yeah, yeah. And we're bringing some some heavy hitters in terms of cars, the classic 
uh, Club Coop is going to be there. We've got some special cars um, and some special people that are coming. So I'll just leave it at that. You definitely want to come out on Friday. We are also preparing for Sports Car Together Festival at Indianapolis. That's going to be September 2nd through 4th. Um, today, noon opens up by the time this uh, launches. Uh, registration will be open. You can do a lot of great things at the event together with PCA. You can sign up for parade laps. You can sign up for corral parking. And for those of you that have a, a GT car, you can do a high-performance driver's education at Indy and um, Porsche. If, if you're solo if oh yes if you're a, if you're a, an advanced uh, solo driver yes that is a requirement um, but Porsche is definitely going to make it very special uh, for those that participate in that and uh, you'll see on the registration that you'll be in the driver's lounge with all the other race car drivers and good food and good cappuccino and all this stuff that they have serving there and uh, it should be a lot of fun we look forward to seeing you there let's see um first time I think I'm announcing this this year, but just as we're getting close to it, September 10th is the PCA Open House here in Columbia, Maryland. So it is free. We will give you some. I think we're doing barbecue again. Barbecue. You you can tour the we office. Couldn't, we couldn't convince Laura to get the chicken and waffle truck. You know what? We might switch it up. We might switch it up. Oh, if, no. if Barbecue. They, <laughs> yeah, right. So <laughs> so we'll see. We might we might be able to switch it up. Um, but we also give tours of the office. You'll get to check out the, our newly uh, built uh, podcast space here. You'll see the, uh, the Porsche bike that we mounted on the wall last year. We've got Project 964 in the house. You can see where Tech Tactics Live is filmed. You can see where Tech Tactics Live. You can see all the trophies from... The, the various decades of parade uh it's free you just need to let us know that you're coming we get what usually 250 300 cars At 600 least, people yeah, yeah, i mean we easy. we it's quite the lineup of cars outside like we have this cul-de-sac and this long street and as far, as far as you can look down the street you'll see porsches and then we have our parking lot right in front that'll be filled with porsches porsche bicycles last year. last year we had a lamport i don't think we'll break that record this year unless you put together some sort of ride but uh look at that we are at the top of the hour anything anyone else wants to share are we good i think we're good all right well thanks for listening if you aren't currently a pca member and you own a porsche what are you waiting for be sure to have your vin handy you can just go to pca.org and and sign up and if you don't have a porsche you can try our test drive program and we'll help you find one jim looks at those personally and tries to make sure that uh, you land a Porsche in your driveway. Remember to follow our podcast Instagram page, behind the scenes photos, videos, Porsche Club Insider, all one word, and you can message us or email us if you have uh, suggestions, comments, and such at podcasts at pca.org. Until next time, stay safe and we'll catch you down the road.